The text for the sermon this afternoon, congregation, is Luke 13, the verses 23 and 24. We'll read those verses again, 23 and 24. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, does the gospel of uh, Jesus Christ really thrill you? Does it thrill you? It could be, and I ask this because it could be that you're not really that moved by the gospel anymore. You belong to Christ, to his church, but it really doesn't affect you that much personally inside. Kind of goes by you, worship, sermons, sacraments, all about serious matters, forgiveness of sins in Christ and living in the relationship with Him. But that can all just kind of go by you sometimes too. Then maybe you're more concerned about making a living or your education or job or, or children or a difficult relationship or other matters. More concerned about those things than the forgiveness of your sins and the renewal of your life. So it's good to ask yourself sometimes how important Jesus really is for you and to think about that, think that through. How important is Jesus for you? We hope to celebrate the Lord's Supper here this afternoon. And in this celebration, we meet Jesus who gave his life for us. We can be strengthened in faith in his love for us. Because of him, the gates of the kingdom are wide open for us. We have access to God's throne of grace. By his death, Jesus Christ has reconciled us to the almighty God of heaven and earth. And we have a future with him. That's something to celebrate. But do you experience the Lord's Supper as a celebration in your heart? Maybe it doesn't necessarily have to show on the outside or so, but is it a celebration at least in your heart? Or do you have a hard time really connecting to what this is all about here? Do you feel, like, do you feel more like a spectator than a participator? What does this sacrament mean for you? Do you really feel you need Christ? Do you really seek your life in Him? Do you truly have a living relationship with Him? See, there's always a danger that we're so busy watching how things go in church and watching other people that we become more spectators than participators. And then you can think of the man who came to Jesus and asked that question, 
in the text for this afternoon while Jesus was preaching in that area and had, had performed miracles. That man asked the Lord Jesus, are there few who will be saved? That's a spectator's question. Spectator's question. That man was looking at Jesus and those who followed him like a spectator. And Jesus' response points to the need for being a participator instead of a spectator. He tells that man to look at himself and to strive to be one of those saved himself. And our theme for the sermon this afternoon are Jesus' words to that man then, strive to enter through the narrow gate. And we see two things, what Jesus meant with that striving to enter, and secondly, what Jesus meant with that narrow gate. First of all, that striving to enter. The Lord Jesus in the context here, congregation, was on his way to Jerusalem for the last Passover. That's uh, the context of our text. On the way to the cross, he was. And as he was teaching and uh, journeying, that person came up to him and asked that question, Lord, are there few who will be saved? Interesting question. I think we'd all like to know the answer to that one too, right? Will few of us here be saved? How many? Jesus, you'd think Jesus might have been pleased, would be pleased with that question too. Finally, somebody who has respect for him and for his work of salvation. This man doesn't ask for a miracle or so, no. He's obviously been listening to Jesus preaching and note how serious Jesus' preaching had been of late. He had been calling people to repent before it's too late. Think of that parable of the fig tree that hadn't borne fruit for a number of years. The owner of the vineyard said, if it doesn't bear fruit next year, then cut it down. Serious warning to all to repent while you still have time. So it's no wonder that that man comes to that question there of whether there are few who will be saved. You see how that man respected the Lord Jesus Christ too in the context of that question after all? Who would be able to answer a question like that except someone who knows God's decrees? His secret decree of election, for instance. Who, who, who else would be able to answer a question like that? Except somebody who is close to God or who is God himself. So see, that man acknowledges that Jesus either knows God very intimately or is God himself with that question. He believes that Jesus can tell him something about the scope of God's salvation. He knows, how many, he knows how many belong to God's eternal kingdom. And notice the man asks if, if there are, are, will be few among those around Jesus at the time who are saved. Because he's asking in the present tense, are there few who are saved? You could say, are there few here who are being saved is what he's saying. That means today, at this time, while Jesus is preaching there about the kingdom, 
Jesus had been sounding a warning to the people at the time. The kingdom is coming. Repent. So there might have been a bit of an admonition in that question too. Jesus, are you preaching? Your preaching is, is full of calls to repentance and of warnings to judgment. Are you saying that few people here are going to be saved? But pay attention, congregation, to Jesus' response to that question. The man doesn't actually get an answer to his question here at all. If you look at it, think about it. The Lord Jesus doesn't say, uh, don't worry, sir, because uh, as a Jew, as church member, you're okay yourself, so why would you worry about it? He doesn't give that man any numbers, like 7,000 here will be saved or 100 will be saved. No, Jesus answers by saying, many will not enter. Sounds like a general warning to the people standing at the, there at the time, but when Jesus re, begins to respond to that question, notice how he directs the conversation with that man to in a whole new direction. Because with that, with that question, that man was thinking very impersonally about the other people there around Jesus. Are there few here who are going to be saved? Few of those others? But Jesus turns the whole thing around and turns it back to those people personally. Personally, he says, don't worry about whether few or many of these people will enter God's kingdom. Worry about yourself. Make every effort to enter that kingdom is the point here. Strive to enter the narrow gate. We can learn a lot from Jesus' reply Today, too, congregation, we could talk kind of impersonally about all kinds of things here, about the sermons, the Lord's Supper, the church, the singing, the people in the church, him or her. We can talk about all kinds of things, like spectators looking on kind of impersonally. But what about ourselves? What about ourselves? Are we personally connected to Jesus and the gospel of his salvation? Or do we think we're okay because we're church members after all? Does, does the gospel really reach our hearts, though? Do we really feel our need and misery and seek our, our life in Christ? I noticed that somewhere in Russia, a high-rise apartment building was on fire last week. Smoke billowing up in the sky. People were hanging out of the windows because there was no way out. Many jumped down. Imagine that you were in a tall building like that and it was on fire, burning. The whole thing was burning from the inside out. You wouldn't be standing like a spectator in the window looking at what all the other people were doing, jumping with a blanket as a parachute or so, would you? Seeing how many would make it down. And you wouldn't be wondering what the news would say the next day about how many people were saved from death here by the fire department or so. No, I, if you were there in that building, you would not be standing there as a spectator, but you would be a participator in everything. If there was a net down there, you would jump yourself, wouldn't you? Well, this is where things seem to go wrong. Sometimes that man heard Jesus warn about God's judgment and his call to repentance, but he didn't say to the Lord Jesus, Lord, help me. How can I be saved? 
No, he looked at those people around Jesus, and he wondered how many of those people are going to be saved. But he didn't think about his own trouble. He didn't see or feel the, the flames of fire licking around himself here. And so in spite of Jesus' warnings, he did not jump into the net the Savior Jesus was holding out for him and for the others. Brothers and sisters, do you see the flames of God's wrath against sin licking around you, the same flames which consumed the Lord Jesus on Golgotha when he underwent that hellish punishment which our sins deserved? He was consumed by the raging fire of God's wrath against our sins, as we remember with the Lord's Supper this afternoon. But do you, do you feel the heat of that fire yourself, too, so that you jump into his net personally? See, congregation, Jesus was telling that man not to sit on the sidelines as if he was watching a race from the sidelines and wanting to know, know the outcome of that race beforehand. He, he can't sit there watching as if he's personally not involved in that race himself. No, Jesus says, you are involved. You need to make every effort to run that race yourself and in such a way that you win the prize for yourself. Jesus exhorts all of those there and us to here too to strive to enter by the narrow gate. That man asked if there were few. He asked a spectator. Jesus admonished him. Don't be a spectator, be a participator. No impersonal talking about worship, church, other members. No, strive to enter yourself. Strive, Jesus says. Now, the word translated as strive in the text, that was a term used in sport in those days. Sport was important in the Greek-Roman world. And the word means make every effort, strain yourself to win the race. Someone who participates in a race isn't going to think like a spectator of that race. He's not going to wonder how many runners are going to make it to the end and which ones will be in the top three or so. He's not, he's not thinking about all those things. No, he's going to concentrate on trying to win that race himself and running as fast as he can himself so he can finish. So you see what Jesus is doing in our text. He, as it were, grabs, grabs us by the arm. He grabs us here today and he says to us too, I'm not going to tell you about the final results of the race of salvation for various people beforehand. Just make sure you run that race, that you run for your life, because for so many, it's already too late. So congregation, that the issue is whether we're spectators or participators as far as salvation is concerned. Do we look at the others here like spectators and wonder how many are saved? Or do we see ourselves as participants who have to strive to finish the race ourselves? To use the metaphor of the fire again, do we watch the fire in our building and wonder how many people will perish or be saved? Or do we see the flames licking at our own feet and our own clothing and make the jump into Christ's net ourselves? Because after all, that's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying here. Jump, I'll catch you. 
Strive to enter, Jesus says. He, he himself is on the way to the cross, and he actually calls everyone to follow him. Think of the parable of the ten virgins on the way to the marriage feast. Five made the effort to prepare themselves. Five did not make that effort and were too late and came to a closed door. The Lord Jesus wants to take many with him as he goes into the wedding feast. But whoever accompanies him then will share in the joy of that wedding feast, the wedding of the lamb and the bride. But whoever does not follow him will miss out on the feast and the joy of that feast. If you remain a spectator in church, you're in danger of ending up on the outside. For the time is coming when the gate of God's kingdom will be closed, shut, the gate of the kingdom, on the day of judgment. And then many will strive to enter yet, but they won't be able. They're too late. So the time for striving, the time for making every effort, is now. Now is the time to run for your life. Not later. Most of us hear about the Lord Jesus Christ being our Savior from childhood already at home and, and in church and so on. Sometimes things aren't right at home and that can be confusing can make you wonder about what you were taught to believe, can make it difficult to connect faith with real life, can make you cynical so that you feel more like a spectator than a participator. But in the text, Jesus Christ says to you too, then strive to enter by that narrow gate. Don't stand back and look at things from a distance like a spectator, but know yourself as a participator. Make every effort to enter and be part of the, the feast of full salvation when the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus, comes. And we come to the second point then, too, what Jesus meant with the narrow gate. So we've seen what he meant, means with that striving. What about the narrow gate? Why is it so hard, congregation, to get through that gate of the kingdom of God? Isn't the gate of that kingdom wide open? Isn't it wide open by God's grace? It should be easy to go through that gate, shouldn't it? Belonging to church, hearing the preaching, using the sacraments. It's all here. It should be easy to, to enter that gate. But Jesus describes the gate in our text as the narrow gate. Narrow. Narrow gate. You have to squeeze through it to get inside. And the implication is then, too, that this gate is the only one that leads to salvation. That leads into the kingdom, into the hall where the wedding feast of the last times takes place. So it's not just a matter, of course, you're going to get through that gate. From the point of view of God's grace, yes, it's wide. The point of view of ourselves, it's narrow. And that gate, brothers and sisters, is in fact, that gate is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He said, John 10, I am the door of the sheepfold, the gate, you could say, and you can only enter through me. He's the only way in. He gave his life on the cross to open that way, that gate. And that gate is shown to us in the gospel 
That gate is pointed out to us in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. When we eat the bread and drink the wine of the Lord's Supper in faith, we see the light shining through the open gate of the kingdom. And then we already see a bit of the marriage feast of the Lamb. So why is it so hard to squeeze through that gate? Why is every effort needed to get through that gate, which is Jesus Christ? Well, it's because of us, ourselves. It's because it's so hard for us to see, to admit how desperately we ourselves, each one of us, needs that forgiveness of our sins, personally. We're all too often like the person in the window of the high-rise who doesn't see the fire licking at his own clothes but stands there watching everybody else and wondering how many will be saved. A spectator. Do you really see how terribly serious your personal situation is? And are you willing to let everything go and get out on the ledge and jump? Jump into Christ's net? That's what this, the struggle to enter that gate is about, congregation. True repentance. True repentance from the heart. Do you really see your sins and need? Do you really see it? Do you really see the flames of God's wrath reaching out to you? And do you really see that net as the only way. Do you see that Jesus Christ is the only one who can save you? And are you ready to jump? And does the desire to serve him in thankfulness live in your heart then? You recognize, I think, the, the three parts of self-examination before the Lord's Supper. Examine yourself. For repentance, do I live in true repentance? Self-examination is not just an exercise we should do before Lord's Supper only. Self-examination is something Christians need to do daily, in fact. The Lord's Supper brings it home to us again, but we ought to be examining ourselves regularly, daily. Do I see my need and misery? Do I see Jesus as the only way? Do I want to serve him, follow him? We need to do that all the time, congregation, because that's how we squeeze ourselves through that narrow gate, which is Jesus. Because that means taking off our filthy clothes, denying ourselves, leaving everything behind, and seeking our life only in Christ and taking on the fight against sin means seeking your life outside of yourself in Jesus Christ and letting yourself be led by his spirit. And if you consider all those things in your own life, not as a, as a spectator, but as a participator, do I do these things? you realize what a struggle it is to get through that narrow gate. In short, you have to make yourself very, very small.
to get through that narrow gate. But if you do that, then you will get through it and step open into the wide open space of God's love and grace. God's grace is not cheap, you see, brothers and sisters. It takes effort. It means fighting against yourself to accept that grace. It isn't so that we can sit here comfortably in church as spectators and think, well, I've arrived. No, we all need to be personally participators. People who strive to enter by the narrow gate. Imagine that that marriage feast on the last day would begin now. And then it turned out that we had been spectators instead of participators. And we'd, it'd be too late. We'd find the gate shut. So Christ says to us today, strive to enter by that narrow gate. See your desperate condition. And trust yourself completely to the Savior, Jesus Christ. And fight to let him be Lord over your life. He's the narrow gate to eternal life and peace. Amen.